Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. It's not often that we get to read uh, large chunks of scripture like that together. And there's this uh, beautiful story in Nehemiah where the prophet Ezra comes and recounts the entire story of God to the people as they stand and listen. And just the beauty that we get to hear scripture together is really powerful to me. As we move into Genesis, one of the things that we're looking at here in this story is God creates a lot of things. Through seven days, he creates. And what we're going to focus on today is that he creates a relationship with us. And and it's the one time that he says, it is very good. Let me pray for us as we dive in. Holy Spirit, we ask for your help. We ask for your help in understanding the vast mystery of who you are. That the love that you bring forth is both simple and yet we have a lot of questions. Allow our hearts to be present here. Allow our minds to be present here as we receive your love. Very clearly, we receive your love. Amen. Uh, So one of the things about Genesis is that the word means beginning or origin. And we love a good origin story. How do I know this? Well, because they keep making this movie. Batman has the same origin story. Oh, Michaela's given a, a, a air, air pumps. <laughs> they keep making this movie, and look, the next one's coming out this March in 2022, and I'm definitely going to go and see it. I know how it goes, and I'm still going to go and see it. I think one of the things about the origin story is that we want to know where do we come from. And maybe we have ex- you, you have seen this or experienced this for yourself, that the person who's adopted has a loving family and like into adulthood they realize like uh, I don't know my own medical history what was what were my birth parents like and they start to then go through this process of trying to find them and maybe even asking that question of like why did you make an adoption plan for me uh, I want to understand me by understanding my beginning and here we get to we get to ask that exact same question and God responds with an answer. And oftentimes, uh, the answers are very, the answers that God offers are very unclear or like they don't become clear until like 10 years later. And here we get to see some very clear answers uh, to some of the questions that we ask. Why did you create us? And God's response is out of love. And then ultimately, um, what I love about the Christmas story is that we get to focus on Jesus' name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. I mean, we were just singing this over and over again, God with us. It's such a beautiful line. And I realized that I accidentally was saying, I was adding this, God with us for the first time. I was adding that. When Jesus comes, me born as a baby, God with us for the first time. But here in Genesis, it is so obvious that God is with us for all time, from the beginning to Jesus to today and that we get to see this revealed more and more through our origin story. 
Okay, so one of the things that we get to pay attention to at the origin story, and this is so funny, I did not ask him to do this, but Joey kind of like accidentally called it out. He goes, huh, two expanses, when he was reading the story. So in uh, the story of Genesis, Moses is most likely the author, this is like what scholars believe, and he is working with a cosmology, an operation of the universe, where the earth is flat. So when he writes the story of Genesis, Moses is, is think, like, you get, we have to think flat earth. This is what the ancient Near East, they were working with this three-tier understanding of the universe. So not, not every single person had this exact diagram, but this concept is very true for them. And, and you can see here that the earth is that kind of black blob in the middle, and it's flat with water on the edges, and I'm not sure if you can see it because it's kind of far away, but above it says water's above the firmament. It's like water's above that dome space. They, they believe that there is water both above and below the earth. And we would go, that's not true. The earth is a globe. The earth is round. And, and one of the things that this helps us remember is that this book, along with every other book in the Bible, is not written to 2022 people. It is written for 2022 people, but it's not written to us. One of the really powerful things about this is that when we get to Revelation, we see this verse. Everything which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth when we read this, without this understanding that they believe the earth is flat, it's really easy for us to go, this is a metaphor. This is just a concept, because there's no under the earth. Under the earth is space. Uh, there is no under the earth. It really, if they were to say it correctly, it'd be like in the earth, you know, the core of the earth. But to them, it actually is three different places. The heavens, the earth, and under the earth that maybe in our modern-day cosmology, our modern understanding of, of space in the universe, maybe it sounds like this. That every particle and wave in every dimension of the Big Bang space-time continuum, as well as every person, dead or alive, and this is how the verse ends, and all of them saying, to him who sits on the throne, be honor and glory and power forever and ever. What's really, really powerful about this, this is the piece that is changing. God does not. That when we look at Moses looking at the earth as flat, and Genesis is written about a flat earth, it can be easy to accidentally think, is God affirming a flat earth? Because we know that that's not true. Instead, God is speaking through what they know to bring about the glory of himself, which is true for all time. That, that this changes, we change, but God does not. And especially when we look at our own lives, when we look at, we reflect at like our own lives are changing, our own church is changing. I mean, rewind to 2019, when it felt like probably we were at the height of momentum, COVID shows up, and then uh, Pastor Dave is called to a different place to do ministry somewhere else, and then it can feel like, did, but did God leave? 
because we had a lot of movement. And maybe the stories that we tell are, we used to do holiday hoops. We used to do spring jam. And it's like all of our greatest stories are behind us. Does that mean that God is behind us? And we get to see here in Genesis, no, God is always present. This means that we can bring about the love of God to each other and to our neighbors, to our community today, that we are equipped to do that today. One of the pieces that is just absolutely uh, fascinating is that the creation story isn't that unique, that the Genesis creation story isn't that unique. And I always thought that it was. There was this other creation story. There's many others at the time. Did anyone take like Greek mythology as a kid, like in high school, like Zeus and Ares and all that kind of stuff? Okay, so you're probably really familiar with that one. This one is called the Enuma Elish. Very common. All the Israelites knew this. And if you're an Israelite telling somebody else about your God, it was very likely that they knew this story as well. The Enuma Elish. This is the fast version that these gods were upset with one another, they battle each other, and, and the god who ends up winning creates human beings out of the rebellious god's dead body. That's where human beings come from. And so then when you look at our nature and that we end up doing things that are evil to each other, well, we go, well, look, of course you're evil. You're created from evil. Oh, wow, isn't that a different beginning story than a God who looks at us and says, you're good, you're good. Humankind, you're very good. It's a much different start. There's this other creation story, the Astrasis epic. That is definitely how you pronounce it. <laughs> and in this story, the gods uh, create the earth, and then they, for their own survival, have to eat from it, have to like till the earth. And they get tired of it. And so they go, I'm so tired of all this work. Can we get someone else to do it? <gasps> Let's create human beings. And human beings then become servants of, and maybe the, the better word is slaves of the gods, in order to till the earth for them. Now, Pharaoh and other kings use this language that they are gods on earth doesn't it become so much easier to enslave other people when this is your origin story? You are meant to be slaves to me, the God. But as an Israelite, you are seeing, this is in verse 27, that humanity is created in the image of God. The beauty of the image of God is on all of us. So I can never enslave you. That's a much different origin story. And then the Egyptian uh, creation myth, as you read through it, human beings aren't really in it. They kind of get forgotten and, and maybe like shoehorned in. But in our creation story, the God of Genesis, the, the culmination of creation is humanity. We're not forgotten, we're on purpose. One of the beautiful things about what this means, about who our God is, the, one of the, uh, the huge differences between those stories and our story that reveals about who our God is, one, we have one God. And more specifically, one God, three persons that live in harmony with each other rather than fighting each other. That our story is one of uh, purpose, is one that is not done on accident. We're, we are not here uh, because particles collided together, but because God's words 
I mean, this is what's so beautiful. In the very beginning, God spoke and created us. I mean, you, you look at like the way that everything fits together and like trees and bugs and birds and all that like depend on each other. That is incredibly purposeful and God orders that. And that we look at humanity, that we look at humanity and that God makes us in his likeness rather than in the other stories, in their otherness, that, that we could be separate from those gods. But instead, God says, no, you are like me. You reflect me. Oh, that's so beautiful. And then finally, for relationship. That God makes us in relationship with him. And that we're going to see that as we move through Genesis and really just throughout the Bible, that we see that this is culminated in the relationship with Jesus that he, he has given this name God with us because he has always been with us, that he is compassionate and gentle and he loves us. So when you hear this, this story, either for the first time or you are hearing it again, you are rehearing it. So now I'm about to, I'm about to ask you to participate. So just like be prepared. Uh, what are some things that come to mind of who our God is, what does this reveal about God when you hear this story? And you can just shout them out. You could say like, oh, it reveals that he's aloof, he's distant, or that he's loving. He's loving. Yes, yes. What is this? God provides. Yeah, what does this reveal about our God? He's creative. He's creative. Oh, yes. There are some birds that are like, how can that thing fly? <laughs> He's intentional. Intentional. Never alone. Never alone. That God creates us and doesn't leave us. Yes. Gives us instruction. I mean, that's fantastic because that's next week. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. I'll Venmo you later. Yes, these are all these are all things that are true about our God. I mean, one of the things that sticks out to me that is really revealing to me is value. That God creates us with value, and so then this cannot then later be taken away. And so often, I am trying to earn this value. And, and, and maybe you do too, in whatever way makes sense for you. Uh, the way that I have found most recently is through parenting, because I'm so bad at it. It's being revealed to me. <laughs> and that I'm like, okay, I can earn my value back by being a better parent, watching more YouTubes, reading more books. And God is saying... I did not create you in a way that you are earning value, but instead that you already have value. And it doesn't get to get taken away when, Eric, you yell at your kid. I don't yell at my kid. When you get frustrated with your kid, you, your value doesn't diminish when you don't know how to do something for him. Your value remains. That's so difficult to believe. And yet, all right, we have a God who reminds us of this every single day. One of the beautiful stories about who, um, about creation and how 
we are constantly being pulled back to this beginning story, this beginning origin story, as we get to see in this gospel story in Mark that Jesus calms the storm, that the disciples and Jesus are out on a boat and the waves are going crazy and it feels like creation is going to consume them. And they wake up Jesus and say, don't you care that we're going to die? And Jesus, with his words, speaks peace and the winds and the waves die down and it becomes calm. And the disciples say, who is this that the winds and the waves obey him? pointing us right back to the beginning that God uses words to command creation. Jesus uses his words to command creation. That later in 2 Corinthians, it would describe all of us as being made a new creation. Bringing back this Eden language of that wherever you go, you are bringing new creation. And we see that in Jesus, that wherever he goes, he brings new creation. That when he shows up to the people who are sick and he heals them and and brings fullness to their bodies, new creation. That the people who uh, are blind, the people who are outcasts, he brings new creation and Eden to them. Who are we bringing Eden to? And also, who are we choosing not to bring Eden to? We are made a new creation. We get to bring Eden to others. Let us not withhold it. One of the things I I just love about this story, uh, as creation language, is that creation started in darkness, and then we see Jesus moving to the cross and his death on the cross. Darkness is brought over the land. And that it is really easy as, as a disciple to think creation just got undone And creation consumed the creator. We started in darkness, and here we are returning to darkness. And then they leave afraid of like, this is the end? And of course we know this is not the end. That in Jesus' resurrection, he has brought out new, a new creation, and gives that to each one of us, a new creation. So that when you are a parent, and you feel like you're bringing more wilderness than Eden, We have a Jesus who says, I forgive you, and you are made new in me, and you will bring new creation to others, to your your family, to your household. Okay, so this is is for other folks. If you feel like you're in this category, you are the too busy, that you are working 12-plus-hour days, and you look at other people and you go, how in the world do you have hobbies? I'm barely eating dinner. We have a God who on the seventh day rests and invites us into that same rest. That new creation is being brought to you in your rest and in your work. That your value, you do not lose your value when you decide to devote three hours to your hobby. But instead, your value remains because it cannot be taken away. So those are, those are examples of like earning your value. But what about when your value feels like it's being taken from you? What if, you're, what if you're in this category of oppressed? If you're a person of color, if you're a woman, or a myriad of lists that feel like I'm being targeted because of my values being taken from me. One of the things that... I just think is beautiful about recognizing this church is built in the 50s. 
And so you have to look at, were people of color welcomed into this space? Could women vote in the congregational meetings? I don't know. My guess through history would be no. And now here we have a church, new creation, inviting all those who are oppressed to say, you are welcome here in this space. This is an incredible invitation that says, your value cannot be taken from you, but instead your value remains simply because God gives it to you. How powerful is this? As people that we are attracted to story, and especially stories where we get to see the origin, we get to see that Jesus is there in the beginning of creation, and he is with us here today, that he rests on each one of us, and that he brings new creation to us and to those that we go to. I love this story in the beginning of Genesis because it is really easy to get uh, focused on things. Uh, like one of the questions I wrote down when Joey was reading was, where are the dinosaurs? I can go down to the Field Museum and see like the biggest dinosaur ever, and yet it doesn't get a mention? I don't have an answer for that. And instead, the message that God is sending is less about the stuff and more about the why and the who. The why that God creates out of love and he creates out of purpose, beauty, and who? It is all about God and we are not the center of the Genesis story. And how great is that? That we get to focus on God, we get to focus on Jesus who is the center. Let's continue in worship here and I'll pray for us as we move into a time of communion. God, thank you so much for an origin story that is more about you than it is about us. An origin story about our relationship with you. We come to you and we see that you are purposeful. We see that you are creative. We see that you are loving. God, in the midst of all other stories, ones that show humanity as evil or as messed up or an accident, you show us as, as loved by you. And especially when we think about our value, where does it come from? That we get to see that it comes from you, that you place this value on us from the very beginning simply because you made us. Allow us to see you more clearly. Amen.